0: Hello and welcome to the Talking Food with Bid Food podcast. I'm Joe Anglis and on the menu for this episode, we're once again discussing the food and drink trends for 2023. Specifically for this episode, we'll be focusing on one of the key trends that we outlined in our food and drink trends report this year, which is retro love. To help us with breaking down what this trend means and how you could apply it to your menu. Later on, we'll be joined by James Ashurst, who is a client director at CGA by Nielsen IQ. CGA works with food and drink supplies, hospitality operators, trade bodies and financial institutions providing market measurement and unique expertise across all parts of the on-premise route to market. As the topic for this episode is on food and drink trends, of course that means I'll be joined by Holly Rogers who is our Insights and Research Manager here at BidFood. Welcome once again, Holly. Thanks, Joe. So this episode's subject is on our retro love trend which you included as part of our trends for 2023. But before we welcome James on, can you provide a bit of an overview of what this trend means?
1: Yeah, of course. So I'd say this trend out of all of the food and drink trends we've put together for 2023 is probably the one we got the most excited about. I think that's purely because it provides so much scope for creativity and fun. Um, Chefs can get really, um, yeah, I suppose, adventurous with menus with this and provide quite novel and unique products. Um, we've seen that a lot of operators in the out-of-home market at the moment are really focusing on nostalgic food and drink. So whether it's looking at, you know, comfort foods that you maybe had um, in your childhood or would have at, say, your grandma's house, or whether it's, you know, milkshakes and cocktails and cakes and desserts that are themed around confectionery that everybody enjoyed as a child. Um, It's really about kind of taking consumers back and providing a bit of a throwback. Um, with food and drink and the other thing we've seen is more concepts on the high street where the entire venue would be themed so like retro diners for example where everything from the decor the music the atmosphere and the food and drink um, they all kind of take you back in time together and we've seen from a retail perspective as well there's been an increase in consumer demand for retro food and desserts so it is something that people are enjoying at home and out at home as well
0: sounds great thank you holly can't wait to hear james's thoughts on what this all means and how operators can then bring this to life so without any further delay let's bring him onto the podcast welcome back I'm glad to say that we're now joined by James Ashurst, Client Director at CGA by Nielsen IQ, onto the podcast. Welcome James, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Hello, thank you for having me. No problem at all. So before we start asking you lots of questions on the retro love trend, could you share a bit about the work you do for CGA by Nielsen IQ and how you supported in the development of Bidfoods trend this year?
2: At CGA, we specialize in the off home. We're really passionate about the off home and that's what we love to talk about. And we work with the biggest wholesalers, supplier brands, operators, marketing agencies, et cetera, to really help them understand a variety of things within the sector. So we kind of achieve that through all the different ways, things from like in-depth bespoke consumer research, where we can run like net rep surveys to understand the public's feelings or behaviours on a certain topic. Or we can do it through things like volumetric data, where we'll take a read on the market to help understand say like a market share or rate of sale. And the outputs of all that are kind of dependent on the client, but it can result in shaping things like direction of MPD or shaping a commercial strategy. Or in the case of yourselves at BidFood, it was about getting an understanding of the emerging trends in the coming year or two and seeing how we can shape that into something that can help your clients going forwards.
0: Brilliant, thanks James. So as Holly mentioned in the beginning of the episode that this trend is linked to retro and nostalgic concepts. Why is it that this is such a hit with customers at the moment? And do you think this trend has the legs to grow?
2: I think, well, if you think about it, the whole basis of this is appealing to customers, right? When we boil it down, it's about grasping their attention and encouraging them to purchase. So if we kind of have a look at what's going on at the minute in the world, it's, uh, it's testing times, isn't it? And it's times of change, whether it's through like economic issues or COVID. In times like this, we kind of look for comfort. So it makes sense that we revert back to things that we find comfortable, we find um, relaxing, or that reminds us of happy at times. And because of that, we tap into memories, you know, our childhoods, our emotions. Um, and this topic really connects with that. It brings us right back and to answer your point in terms of is it something that can grow I think absolutely it can and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it can because it's a relative concept isn't it nostalgia it moves with the individual or the generation and something that I might find nostalgic my 18 year old godson might not but there'll be something that he finds nostalgic and then that will eventually you know come into the market and we'll be able to see that sort of having live examples so yeah I think it's a really exciting topic that we can just watch emerge and develop over the next few years
1: yeah I like what you said about how you know certain things are nostalgic for one person and might not be for another and I think the other nice thing about this trend is food and drink becomes a bit of a conversation topic as well so people are out and they see something and it gets them talking about their own memories and what it takes them back to and whether or not they had a favorite I don't know biscuit or cake or whatever it might be in their childhood which is quite nice have you seen any particularly good examples of operators doing this trend really well and focusing on retro food and drink?
2: Yeah, there's, there's loads at the minute. I think whether it's the full concept of, you know, this is the operator's whole approach or whether it's little bits on the menu, um, there, there's some really strong examples. And I, I'm based in Manchester and there's, there's quite a few on my doorstep. Um, but one that really sort of strikes out to me is a Loaf MCR. Um, so they encapsulate this perfectly they have like large loaf cakes with like extravagant biscuit themed decorations on top but they theme it around things like custard creams or pink wafers and it's branded up in that way and immediately you just you almost taste it looking at it. you remember the taste of those biscuits when you're a kid and you kind of link it in um and then from like a venue perspective there's two that i always go back to because i just think that they're perfect for this firstly is nq64 in the northern quarter of Manchester, where they initially started. Uh, they've now branched out and they've got sites popping up everywhere. I was in Liverpool this weekend and saw one. And um, for those that aren't familiar, they feature uh, loads of like, retro gaming machines and consoles. And they like theme their cocktails to fit in with like the classic games like Pac-Man. It's a perfect example of how you can tap into your childhood. And even though there are, you know, Better quality games now or better graphics or whatever. There's something about going back to those old ones that remind you of being a kid. Um, And the other example is one that's opened a bit more recently, and it's Blockbusters Bar in the northern quarter. Um, And it's bar as you'd expect, but it's kitted out like an old Blockbuster video rental shop. So it's got the blue and yellow theme, and it's got like video cassettes of old films on the walls. And they also like theme their cocktails. So they've got like an Elko popcorn cocktail time to kind of like tap into what the big drink was back then as well um I know these examples are pretty on the nose but I think it's easy for listeners to picture where we're going with this topic and you know it, it's working we've seen it we've seen it pop up in major cities now
0: I mean I love all of those ones they sound so up my street to be honest but um yeah they sound brilliant um and I guess which categories or occasions do you think this trend is most prevalent in and which sectors does it fit well with?
2: So it could be successful in most situations, I think, because it's about hitting the consumer like in the fields, isn't it? And it's it's going to be that personal thing. Um, but if you if you ask me to sort of pinpoint one, I would probably say desserts. It's always going to be a strong area because we associate desserts with a happiness or a treat, and there's just positive connotations ingrained within that. You know, from our past experiences. Um, but I think overall as well, it's probably any area that can express themselves. So it is open to all of those types of occasions and categories. It just depends how creative the person wants to be with the idea and how they can shape it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And in terms of different sort of occasions and situations as well, do you think the same about different areas across the UK? I think the challenge for us when we look at trends is that we try and understand what trends actually have legs across the whole of the UK and not just those really sort of niche London-centric type trends. And this is something that we thought, yeah, would be relevant to all different ages, different places and more kind of rural places as well as urban places. Um, Would you agree with that or do you think there are certain, I don't know, areas or cities that this trend is more prominent in?
2: No, I really think this is open for all. Um, on, on the rural topic, this is a really great opportunity for, you know, regional or rural venues to stand out from the nearby competition. Um, you know, really, it's it's potentially got minimal risk and cost associated to kind of shaping your offering slightly down this nostalgic route. And like I've said, the beauty of this trend is that creativity is the main element. So, for example, turning something like a jam sponge into A jammy dodger delight or something, you know. I'm sure people come up with better ideas for names than that. But it's just a little tweak to the menu, isn't it? You're not you're not reinventing the wheel. You're just shaping it a little bit more, and that's something that for venues that might be struggling from a cost point of view or maybe less footfall because they are more rural, that there's just something a little bit niche that they can add to their menu. And speaking of the the niche element, I think if you think about how certain areas are linked with certain dishes that can still play a part as well so for example when I think about something like that my first port of call is always to go back to um I was working up in Scotland and I had an iron brew baked Alaska which was just like the perfect example of linking into the area but still doing a classic dessert do you see what I mean with that like it's it's still still tapping into what you know but just put just a little tweak on it to make it seem a little bit different and just tickle your interest enough to order it and it's exactly what I did.
0: And I guess also from our perspective we've also seen it as a bit of an opportunity in the care sector uh, as well because we've just launched a retro diner concept which is all about bringing back those nostalgic feels from the '50s and '60s into care home settings, which is I think is a really nice way of adapting the trend as well.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. He's it's, it's not as related to um, care homes, but um, I did see something the other day where do you know you have like beer battered fish yeah um, it, it was a similar approach, but it was a uh, brewed battered um, fried chicken and i know i'm clearly on that Embury bandwagon here right now um but it just shows that that, that's an adaptable concept isn't it depending on the sector depending on the area depending on the clientele that you're providing for you know you you can sort of base that on age ranges is it is it more of a you know for kids of my generation it might have been like the panda pops back in the day or someone of an older generation might be like a dandelion and burdock or something like that and you can kind of cater it to 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 who you're working with at the time
0: welcome back so operators are faced with a particularly challenging market at the moment with rising costs and many facing staff shortages as well so james do you think the simplicity of a lot of the retro food and drink is a benefit for operators looking to implement this trend i mean i guess it doesn't have to be costly or complex does it
2: no absolutely i think it's come at the perfect time really um the the beauty of this trend is that it isn't rooted in cost or premium at all it's about how it resonates with us so operators are having to work smarter than ever to drive engagement as costs are rising and i think this is why this trend is ideal for that current environment so for example if um if I was looking at a cocktail menu, and one of the offerings was around like a, I don't know a, a premium vodka, or like you get the ones with like gold leaf, and it's all a bit more bougie, um, and then you flip that to something like an offering where there's a Vimto Margarita, which is one of the ones we used in the example with the bid food work. Um, I'm a '90s kid, and that piques my interest immediately. So it's just that different way of reaching out to consumers that isn't linked to cost. It isn't about how how sort of extravagant that drink might be. It's about what taps into me personally, or someone of my generation. You see what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think it becomes quite novel, doesn't it? Um, and a, and you know, in a in a time when a lot of food and drink can become quite sort of forward thinking and on trend and stuff, it actually becomes quite exciting to see something that really takes you back in time and just shows that simplicity that sometimes we miss these days. I guess throwing it back to memories and what we would look back on our childhood and remember do you think this is a trend that we could also implement in say places like schools or um, operators that are really targeting children and families because obviously with children um you know their their memories are a lot more limited than what we might have but are there ways that we could maybe i don't know look at educating kids about history with Um, retro food and drink or showing them what was maybe nostalgic for their parents, for example? Do you think that could work?
2: Um, Absolutely. So I think when we look at the school element, we can really link that to home life and how the parents adopt it. So just like how plenty of families would have um, certain traditions or staple meals, because this trend is linked to feelings and happiness, it can really tie in with that family element. And that, that thing that's generated in the home life. And I suppose if you look back at the this from more of a top line view, that because we're going back to things that are nostalgic, so you might think of some more classic dishes to, to begin with, maybe. Um, a lot of them are based in childhood memories, like we've said. So they're kind of tried and tested in schools to some extent already where it's in that sort of classic farmer with a retro theme. And, you know, why can't it be something like um, a sticky toffee pudding pot or bite that's just a different format to what they used to and just kind of change things up a bit? And from that nostalgic, like historical point of view, I think it would be cool. So obviously they'd have to work with the teachers to understand what topics are relevant. And I, I think that'd be quite an enjoyable process to see how you can make it work. Um, but even if it's down to just changing the format or how it's delivered, that can really tie in well. Um, for example, if you think of, you see seeing them everywhere now, those Yorkshire pudding wraps that are you know, popping up in like tour pop-ups and even in some restaurants. It's just putting a spin on an old classic, so you've still got that nostalgic feel, but it's just something a little bit different. You go, oh, I'm going to try that, and it's a perfect example of
0: how it works.
1: Yeah, I've been dying to try one of those Yorkshire pudding wraps. I keep seeing them on Instagram all the time.
0: <laughs> they are good, I can confirm. Um, I guess, and just for fun to end the episode, if you had to pick one absolute favourite nostalgic dish, what would it be? Um, and what about a dessert or sweet treat? I'm going to guess you're going to go down the Iron Brew route because of what you mentioned <laughs> earlier. <laughs> um,
2: Funny not. No, I'm not going to. Um can you tell I used to work for Inbrew based on this? <laughs> there are all the links. Um, no, I'm not going to go Brew. Um I think, really, I'd like to come across a bit more uh, interesting and come with all these cool ideas based on what my job is, but I can't see past, like, good old fish and chips. Um, you know, there's, there's so many memories of, like, seaside trips or weekend treat. That... Yeah, I think that, that was the first thing that popped in my head. and it's it's still sort of fits in that role for me now I had it on Friday and I was looking forward to it all week you know it's it's a treat and it does kind of take me back like that so it fits in really well with this theme and then I suppose from a sweet treat point of view I don't have the biggest sweet tooth but again I kind of went with my gut and what was the first thing that came into my head (laughs) and do you remember those um I don't know if you had it in your school like school cake like the tray bake things that were like sponges with, with the
1: sprinkles on the top exactly that yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly that yeah um that was the first thing that popped in my head um and you even even had like uh ones of like I hope this wasn't just my school like green custard and things like that that just was that was that just me chocolate cake with no, green we custard we used
1: to have that we had pink custard green custard and yeah. then like yellow
2: <laughs> yeah exactly so, this, so those good. are the things that just kind of popped into my head um and actually i don't know if you've seen it that like a lot of um delivery apps now you can like select like dessert and um, delivery can't you and i've seen quite a few of these school ones pop up now but you, you can order those things and have that that retro experience and i suppose if you if, looking back on what i've just said there that they're both those examples are like ingrained aren't they in my childhood so i uh, I guess it's really on theme with what we've been
0: talking about. Holly, do you have any specific ones that you'd think that links into this one?
1: Oh, I I think mine would be more things like confectionery and sort of like cakes that every time I went to my grandma's house should always have in the tin, like no matter what. And it was things like mini rolls or like, you know, the angel, Mr. Kipling angel slices. Um, Yeah. Yeah, things like that. But that school cake that James mentioned we used to have that and I was actually in a cafe the other day I can't remember where I was but they were selling it and they called it school cake and it straight away just took me back and purely because it was such a sort of novelty to see it I really wanted one so that definitely worked on me
0: <laughs> I definitely agree that's how I, that's really taken me back that one so they they they, they all sound great so thank you very much I think I'll wrap things up there for the episode. But before I do, James, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast for this one. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. And Holly, thank you for being my trusted co-host once again.
1: No problem. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: If you'd like to know more about our food and drink trends for 2023, you'll find links to it all in our show notes. We'll also be recording more episodes on the different trends with experts and customers to bring them to life over the next few months. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, please make sure you follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts on to ensure that you are the first to hear them. Until next time, goodbye.